This morning's scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Listen to the Word of God. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is the word of God for the people of God. So let's begin with the word of prayer. Would you pray with me and for me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our word. We pray that as we reflect on your word this morning, uh, that we would continue to be inspired by it, that your spirit would uh, help us to interpret what you're saying to us. And uh, Lord, that you would call us out and that we uh, into this world uh, to be a part of your miraculous work uh, in, in places of darkness, that we could reflect your light. And, and I pray over the words that you've given me. May they be from you and not from me. We lift all this to you in Jesus Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So I was 22 years old, which is it's still pretty young. I was a, an intern. It was my very first pastoral internship. I just finished my first year of seminary, which meant I knew just enough to be dangerous, right? I was still figuring out if I was really going to be a pastor, if God was actually calling me to that. I was kind of hoping, uh, you, you know, and praying, God, if, if you've got anything else, let me know. And so I went into that summer with my eyes wide open. And I remember one of the things that they don't teach you at seminary, they don't really teach you how to pray with people in the hospital. And so I remember thinking, OK, this is the thing I need to learn because, oh, my goodness, I'm going to I am. I was so nervous. I was so terrified that I would say the wrong thing when somebody's at their most vulnerable moment, whether it's uh, the hospital or their deathbed. And so I remember thinking, OK, uh, I, I was at this church. It was a really big church. And one of the things that they promised me, uh, they said, look, this summer, as you're in your internship, every time that you go out to the, make hospital visit for the first few times, uh, we, we will send um, we'll send a pastor with you. That happened one time. Can, can I tell you, get it in writing, right? How, how many does a few mean? Not one. And so I remember getting the email that day. It had five names on it, and there was... Uh, just my name on the list of people uh, going out to visit. And I called Nancy, who's in charge of the care ministry at the church. And I said, Nancy, there's got to be a mistake. Where's the other pastor? Who's Who am I following today? And she goes, oh, all the pastors are busy. I said, Nancy, there's seven pastors at this church. They're all busy? She said, yes. I said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> it was in San Antonio, my uh, hometown. And you know, if you've ever been to San Antonio, the hospitals there, there are like 50 hospitals. I guess that's a good place to have a hospital. They're everywhere. And so we were uh, was driving around, and I remember looking at my list, and uh, I, w- I walked into the first 
I went to go visit the very first person. And it was a woman with Alzheimer's who was in hospice. She was elderly. And look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you all something, okay? I am a different person today, but I'm going to tell you something that I was thinking back then. I remember walking into that room praying, Lord, let her be asleep. Lord, let her be asleep. Lord, let her be asleep. <laughs> Because I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And so I remember walking in and the Lord answers prayer. She was asleep. (laughs) So I walk in and uh, I said, thank you, Lord. Oh, that was too loud. I don't want to wake her. And um, so I remember I, I quietly, as quiet as I could, probably internally just prayed over her. Okay, I'm not proud to admit this. And then I, I wrote on the card to let her know I was there. I left my business card on the table next to her bed. And then I tiptoed out the door. And then I, uh, I looked at the next list and it was a four-year-old who had just had heart surgery. Are you kidding me? You know, what am I going to say to a four-year-old who had heart surgery? She's probably going to be in this, you know, weakened state. And I'm going to have to care for this mother who's probably a wreck. You know, what am I going to do? And I walk in. That is not what happened. She was feeling just fine. In fact, she was feeling angry. And I was the source of her anger when I walked into the room that day. I kid you not. I walked in and she goes, get out of here. She looked at me. She was screaming. She said, mommy, tell that man to leave. And her mom was so nice. She was, yeah, I'm 22 years old. Her mom was like, hey, you know, you're so nice, but uh, you really probably should leave. (laughs) I didn't even get to pray. I was 0 for 2. I looked down on my list, and, uh, and it's a 50-year-old uh, mother of two adult children. She has cancer. So I go to the next, uh, so I go to this next hospital. There are too many hospitals, and I try to find a room, and I get lost, and I finally walk, I finally make it to a room, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to walk into a room, and I, I don't know what her prognosis is, but I'm going to walk in, and I'm going to say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling? You know what? We're going to get through this. I didn't know her. I'd never met her. I just didn't know what to say. And so uh, that's not what happened. I walked into her room and she was in a medically induced coma because her days were few. And the cancer had spread so much, the pain was so bad that they were just trying to regulate her pain. And so I walk in and, uh, and she's surrounded by her loved ones. Her husband's there, her two adult children, their spouse. Everybody's in the room at that time. <clears throat> and I remember walking in and I just wasn't thinking. So I kept with my original plan. Hey, how's she doing? Her daughter looked at me like I had a third eye and said, how do you think she's doing? She has terminal cancer. Not good. And so I said the next dumb thing I can think of. And I said, well, how are you doing? She said, not good at all. Can I tell you, sometimes in those moments, the best thing to do is just stop talking. Take a minute. And so uh, luckily, God's, God's grace is with us in those moments at times. And, and I paused and I remember the only I realized that there's nothing I could say or do at that moment to fix anything that was happening. There was nothing, no words of comfort that was going to make anything better at that moment. So I did what I only knew to do. I dropped down on my knees. I reached out my hand and I placed it on this woman's ankle. And I reached out my other hand and I grabbed the daughter's hand and I said, hey, why don't we just pray together? Would that be all right? And she said, yeah, that would be great. I have no clue what I prayed that day. All I know is that I invited God to show up in that place when I ran out, when I wasn't enough, and God showed up in a mighty way. Have you ever been there before? 
Have you ever been in a place when you realize that you're not enough, you don't have enough, and you've just kind of run out of what you're able to do? You know, I think our two biggest fears, we have two big fears, that we're not going to be enough, that we're not going to have enough. We're afraid of uh, falling short and running out. We're afraid we're not going to have enough. We're afraid we're not going to be enough. And so we go out in this world and we read self-improvement books. We want to make sure that everything we do is the absolute best. We try harder. We try to be more. We try to work more. We try everything that we can. That's why we buy bigger houses. It's why we try to make more money. It's why we have memberships to Costco, right? We don't want to run out of stuff. And uh, because we want to have enough, we want to be enough. You know, it's funny. When, when we get to that place, when we realize that we don't have enough, when we don't have enough, and when we, we're not enough, it's true in our marriages, it's true in our relationships. It's true with our children. It's true at our jobs. It's, it's true everywhere that we want to have enough, we want to be enough, and we're afraid that one day it's going to run out and it's going to be our fault that it happened. Have you ever been in that place? So here's the thing. We all have a part to play. We all need to do our best, to try our best. But at the end of the day, here's what I learned at that moment in the hospital that I keep with me. And it's this phrase. When we give our not enough to God, God creates more than enough for His purpose. Will you say that with me? When we give our not enough to God, God creates more than enough for His purpose. So if you're in a situation or in a place or you're, you have, there's an area in your life where you feel like you're not enough or you don't have enough, I want to invite you to pay attention today because I feel like I believe that God's Word is speaking this to us today. So I'm going to invite you to do that. And, you know, as we conclude our series on the miracles, this is the last time we're going to be uh, looking at the miracles Jesus performed in, in the context of this series. And uh, I, this uh, miracle that we're studying today, the feeding of the 5,000, one of the most familiar miracles. I'm, I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, know this miracle, have heard about it. And so this miracle does what all the other miracles do. It, it says that Jesus is who he really is. It also, there's a message in the miracle, but there's some special sauce to this miracle today. Something extra that I want us to pick up, and we're going to spend the rest of our time focusing on that today. And here's what it is. The disciples were invited to be a part of Jesus' miraculous work in the world. Here's why that's important. The disciples went on to become the church. And so I think this miracle, this message helps us to realize why and how we can be a part of God's saving work in the world. How we need to be ready for that, how we need to act uh, in the world, and how, how we get to be a part of that. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. And here's the message of this miracle, that Jesus takes what we give and he makes it more. When we give our not enough to God, instead of trying to do it all on our own, instead of trying to be more than what we really are, God creates more than enough for His purpose. So He takes our heart, our, when we give it to Him, our heart, our resources, our time, He takes it all, makes it more for His purpose, more than it ever could have been if we just held on to it on our own and hoped for the best. So I want you to follow along with me today. And as we approach this story, there's uh, something I want you to know. Right before this miracle happens, right before this, this passage, Jesus' colleague... His probably friend, uh, his cousin, John the Baptist, has just been beheaded. 
And you know that this did something to Jesus that he needed a minute because Scripture says that when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat to a private and solitary place. He he had to think things over. He needed a minute. And then a large crowd uh, came out of the villages, followed him on foot uh, because they had heard too. And, and they, as he landed, they were there. Verse 14, Scripture says that Jesus saw the crowd, he saw the people, and uh, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Now here's the thing we need to remember. Jesus doesn't just teach us what to do, he shows us what to do. Does that make sense? He, he doesn't just teach us, he doesn't just talk about it, he participates, he shows us. And so he's showing us in this minute that man, he needed a minute, he needed some quiet time, that's important for all of us to have, but sometimes... We need to be involved. We need to be a part. And so he saw the people and his heart was in it. Our heart has to be in it. You know, Rocky Balboa, he had heart in Rocky 1 through 4. Rocky 5, not so much. That's why it was such a bad movie. Rudy, you know, that was such a great movie because his heart was in it. When our heart is in it, it makes a difference. Jesus' heart was in it. He cared. That's why he stayed. That's why he healed. And so in verses 15 through 16, we see that the disciples, their heart wasn't in it. They didn't see the people. They saw the crowd. They just saw a bunch of hungry people. They saw they're not enough and said, I can't do this. Jesus, it's getting late. We're in a deserted place. Why don't you send them off to some villages so they can go buy some food and they don't go hungry? Because we, we want to do the right thing. Jesus said, no, you go feed them. Wait, wait, what? Have you ever been in that place where you feel like God's calling you to something? And you're like, okay, God, here's the answer. And God says, no, you do it. Not acceptable, Jesus. No, that's not. What am I going to do? When we give our not enough to God, our heart has to be in it. It starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. The disciples didn't start out this miracle with heart. And I can hear it in verse 17. But Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fish. What are we supposed to do? Have you ever been in that place? Do you ever say, but God... Wait, no. You ever get that way? You see, when you're approaching a problem or an issue, you see the crowd or you see the problem, you stop seeing the people, you stop seeing the person. You ever be in that place and maybe in your marriage or in a friendship, maybe you have an argument with somebody and you stop seeing the person you're talking to, you only see the problem. You only see the issue. Have you ever been there? And so when we start to see... Uh, when we stop noticing the crowd, when we start noticing the people, our heart changes. Have you ever noticed that? When you start to walk with somebody, when you start caring for someone, something changes in you. It's amazing. In fact, we have a confirmation class every year and uh, in the spring, 7th and 8th graders who want to take that next step. They want to join the church. They want to uh, confirm their faith before God and before others. Uh, they go through confirmation. It's pretty intense. It's a couple months and uh, it. There's a full day retreat, there's a weekend retreat, a bunch of Sundays they have to be here for an extra hour. And can I tell you, what's amazing about that for me is the faith of these uh, uh, youth, there's usually about around 40, and so we need like, one of the things that we do is we have a teaching team, but we also have mentors who walk with these confirmants throughout confirmation. And so what's amazing about that is they're invested, because they have to be at everything the confirmants are at, and they have to give... Uh, you know, time and, and energy to that. And so here's what one of the confirmation mentors wrote to me. He's brand new at the end of confirmation. He wrote, as, as I study the Bible, 
the theme of relationships reaches out to me and the importance of letting others know how their interaction with me impacted my life. He said, I don't know what inspired me to be a mentor. To be honest, I had hoped the church had enough mentors and I wouldn't be needed. Because it wasn't about them. He said, but then, after I met the Compromands, after I saw the genuine passion of the teaching team, I saw this was something I needed to strengthen my own faith. He said, when I started, when I stopped seeing the crowd and I started seeing the people, something changed. I want to thank you for allowing me to be a part of that experience and for the transformation I see in me. You know, when we start with the heart and we give our heart to God and others, that's when we can give our enough to God. It starts with the heart. And that's the thing to remember, that it does start with the heart, but Jesus showed us you can't just care from a distance. You have to be invested. You have to be committed. The farmer, right? Have you ever heard the story? The farmer had a birthday, and so the cow... Uh, the cow, the chicken, and the pig, they got together and they said, hey, let's do something. Let's make the farmer breakfast. And the chicken said, all right, great, I'll provide the eggs. And the cow, the cow said, great, I'll provide the milk. And they looked at the pig and the pig said, what are you looking at? You guys are just contributing. I've got to be invested. I've got to be committed. But, you know, we have to be invested. Jesus started with the heart. He was invested. He cared. We, he wanted the disciples to be invested. He wants us. The church to be invested, to be in it. When we give our not enough to God, God creates more than enough for His purpose. And can I be clear? You have to be in it to be willing to give your enough. And can I be clear? The enough, we never have enough time. We never have enough resources. And friends, if that's something that, maybe that's something you need to begin to give to God and to ask, Lord, how can I give you my time and my resources. Because we all have those opportunities. Our children and youth programs. There's an opportunity for you to make Pastor Mark and I wear Cowboys. Maybe you'll just wear the Cowboys jersey. And I'll, no, I'm just kidding. I'll wear the Redskins. But if you want to be a part of that. If you want to pour into the life of our children and youth. It starts with the heart. Be invested. And it's amazing what God will do through you. What God will teach you in those moments. Wherever, that, wherever God is calling you. Because when we give our not enough to God. God creates more than enough for his purpose. So back to our scripture. In verse 18, Jesus says, uh, in 19, he says, bring me the loaves and, uh, and the fish. And so this is what Jesus does. He, he takes the loaves, he takes the fish, and he looks up and he, give, he gives thanks to God for it. He broke the loaves and he gave it to the disciples. And the disciples then gave it to the people. Can I pause for just a minute? Time out on the scripture. Because here's the thing. Our heart needs to be in it. We need to be invested. But we've got to invite God to be a part of it. We have to invite God. You know, some of us were struggling because our heart's in it. We care. We're invested. But we haven't invited God into the situation. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you need to take a minute and invite God into your situation. Now's the time. But here's what happens when we give our not enough to God. He invites us to be a part of the work that he's doing. So it's no longer about what we thought we were going to do. It's now about what God is doing. We get to be a part of it. And Jesus didn't just take the bread, give thanks to God, and then go out into the crowd and said, here you go, I got you some bread. Here you go, I got you some bread. He broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples. He gave it to the church and he said, you go out 
You feed the people. You know, I'm thinking about the disciples. I'm thinking about how later when they started the church, when they were a part of the, uh, after Jesus had already risen, I bet they went back to this miracle and they got charged up about it. I bet they looked back and they thought, man, do you remember that time that Jesus used us and we got to participate? He took like our lunch and he used it and he fed over 5,000 people. Do you remember that time and we got to be a part of it? I mean, you know it charged them up because here's the next story. The next story in, uh, after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus sends the disciples away and they're on a boat and he's walking on water. Peter's like, man, Peter's thinking as he's on the boat, he's thinking, man, I remember I got to just, I was carrying this basket and food just kept coming. I got to be a part of it. I got to be a part of the miracle. Jesus walking on water. I can walk on water. I get to be a part of Jesus' miracle. Peter walked on water. It's amazing how when we take that step, when we give our not enough to God, God creates more than enough for his purpose. And we get to be a part of that. It charges us up. And God does more and more and more through us because we were willing to take that step and say, here you go, God, take my not enough. But I need to pause for just a minute one more time because here's the thing. I don't want us to get confused. Because this is what this is what Mark Montgomery hears when I hear this. Great, God, I'm going to give you all my stuff, all my problems, and you're going to fix it for me. Because here's what, here's what the truth is. It's not for our purpose. It's for his purpose. You know, when God calls us to give sacrificially, when God calls us to take that extra step, it doesn't always mean that things are going to get easier. In fact, it's going to be a real sacrifice for us in a lot of ways. But we get to be a part of God's purpose, God's miraculous work in this world. That's what we need to remember. You know, as many of you know, we are uh, a major church partner with the Child Rescue Center out in Bosir, Leon, Africa. And uh, that, act, that program started back in 2000. It developed as a result of a 10-year brutal civil war that was happening in Sierra Leone. And during that civil war, a lot of uh, parents were killed, and so there were a lot of orphans. A lot of those orphans previously had been child soldiers recruited and forced to be a part of the war. And so uh, it started as a street feeding program, and then uh, through the resources that uh, were funded, they uh, were able to actually establish the Child Rescue Center. That first year, back in 2000, July of 2000, there were 40 orphans who had food, water, shelter, safety, security, somebody to care for them. They were given an education. There were 40 of them. And can can I tell you, None of us in this room would have gone out and been able to start something like that, to vision something like that. We had to, we didn't have enough. None of us could have done that all on our own. We had to give our not enough to God. God took it, used it, made it more. And so we were invested, we had our heart in it, so we, we gave it all and, and God keeps doing bigger and bigger things through the Child Rescue Center. Now there's Mercy Hospital. In fact, just recently we sent money over and they're building a, uh, a surgical room so that they can have C-sections as part of the hospital. God continues to do bigger and amazing things. One of the original 40 uh, children that came through, who was an orphan, his name is Yusuf. He just graduated from medical school. You know, he graduated from medical school in a country where life expectancy at birth is 50 years old. Now, I know for many of us, if you're 50 years old, if you were in Beausir, Leon, that would be your, your life expectancy. Malnutrition for five and under. If you have a five and under, if you're in Beausir, Leone, 
44% are malnourished. 44%. Teenage birth rate is 10%. In a place where there is one doctor for every 50,000 people, Yusuf could have said, it's too much, I'm not enough, I don't have enough, but his heart was in it. He's invested, he invited God in to be a part of it. And God will take his not enough and create more than enough for his purpose. But we have to start somewhere. Would you agree? We have to take that first step. Here's an easy first step for us today. You know, as we, uh, as we conclude our worship service today, you're invited to go in the gathering room and there's a, a tasting demonstration. You can go and do a taste test and, and, uh, we are starting this, uh, we're doing this program called Feeding 5000. We have a thousand of these bags. They're free. Everybody can go in and pick a bag up. You're invited to take a bag. There's a shopping list on the front. Go to the store. It costs under $10 to basically fill up uh, this shopping bag. It's gonna, this bag will feed f- a, f- a family of five. It will feed five people. So you're invited to do that. Bring it back. It's going to go to our local serve food bank. And, this, and then uh, they'll go out and give them to those families. And so here's what's happening. God's taking our not enough because there's no way I could feed my family on just $10, right? God's taking our not enough and he's taking uh, this bag of food. And a family who's in need will have the food that they need, but they'll also have the time that they don't get because they're overworked and overstressed. And this recipe is right here. You provided all the ingredients. All they have to do is put it together and they have a meal. That's an easy next step. But here's the good news. Here's where I want to end on today because I don't want you to miss this. This miracle isn't about the bread. Because we're supposed to look at this miracle. We're supposed to remember that the Israelites were in the desert a really long time ago. Moses was leading them through the desert. And they were saying, God, we're about to die. What's the deal? Come save us. And God sent them manna from heaven that they had to rely on every single day. And so as we read this story, the gospel writer wants us to remember that they're in a deserted place. That Jesus gives thanks to God, invites him in, gives that bread out. We're supposed to remember that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the source of life for all of us. That as he gives his life over to us, as we receive him, we're offered to give our lives back to him so that we can give our not enough to God. And God will create more than enough for his purpose. So as we share in this meal in communion today, we're invited to remember, to re-experience what Christ has done for us on the cross, how Christ has taught us, how he's shown us how to live in this world, how we get to be a part of God's saving work in this world. So as we pray together, I want us to prepare our hearts that we would receive Christ's call, Christ's work in our lives.